Hello, welcome to Healing Out Loud with me, your host, Jackie Shea. This is a place to relate to the darkest days and be inspired by ultimate triumph. Each week, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on, highly informed about something new, and connected to a tribe of amazing humans. Because the only way out is through, but it helps to have a tribe walking with you. Hi guys, welcome back to another week of Healing Out Loud. This is an entirely listener-supported podcast. There are many ways you can support me. If you love this material and want to see it continue on, then consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash healingoutloud, where for a small monthly donation, you get extra goodies. Other ways you can support are by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes, by sharing this with your friends, or by following me on Instagram at Jackie for lots of other wellness gems. If you are interested in my downloadable free self-care checklist, just go to JackieShay.com and we will email it to you. If you're interested in working with me privately for a deeper level of mind-body-spirit support, feel free to contact me through my website anytime. I absolutely love to hear from you. Okay, let's dive into this week's episode with naturopathic Dr. Emily Wiggins. This episode is jam-packed with one of the things I'm most passionate about, tools to be an empowered patient, affordable ways to take care of yourself from home, and some insider info on how Emily treats her patients and why, what what tests she orders, why she orders them, uh, how she helps patients detox, etc., etc. Let's dive in. Hi everyone, I have Emily here, Emily Wiggins here with me. She is an Oregon licensed naturopathic doctor. She graduated from National University of Natural Medicine after finding naturopathic medicine through her own struggle with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Emily helps people suffering from chronic illness restore their health and feel better. She believes you are more than your illness and it is your personal experiences and the unique nature of your body that determines what you need in order to heal. She specializes in autoimmune immune conditions, chronic disease, and fertility, and works with patients in her own private practice locally in Bend, Oregon, and long distance. Hi, Emily. Hi. So happy to be here. Thanks so much for being here. So happy to have you. I love your philosophy, and I'm so happy to have a naturopathic doctor on. So I love your backstory of what took you into this line of work. Will you tell us about it? Yeah. So, um, In my late teens, I started having um, all of these just crazy symptoms where like I hadn't, I recently got off birth control and then I didn't have a period. It just never came back. And um, then I started having acne for the first time in my life and my hair was falling out um, and I just felt terrible. I had some depression and some anxiety um, and yeah, so I started seeing, um, I went to a just a primary care doctor, and he basically was like, we could run some tests, but likely we're not going to find anything, so you should probably just get used to this new you, um, and I just could not really accept that. Um, he didn't really have any other options for me, 
Um, and then I also went to, I went to another, or I went to a gynecologist who did an ultrasound. And so they found the, um, the cysts on my ovaries and she was basically like, well, I think you should probably go back on birth control. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what landed me here because it had happened before where I'd gotten off birth control a few years prior and my period also never came back. And I did just go back on birth control and everything kind of like, you know, it was fine enough, but I was also kind of one of those crazy people on birth control. Like my mood was wild. I was gaining weight. So I just didn't want to stay on that long term. So, um, yeah, then I kept doing research. I kept talking about what was happening in my life to people around me. And, um, I was in my undergraduate in, um, Flagstaff and a friend of mine was working for a naturopath. Um, and he also did acupuncture and she was like, I really think you should check him out. And so I made an appointment and I, um, when I sat down with him, it was like in the first five, 10 minutes of telling my story, he was like, I think I have an idea of what's going on. I want to run a couple tests and we'll see if, um, I'm right. And then in the meantime, we can do some acupuncture and herbs. And then he was right. And it was, um, PCOS and, um, it was about four months of seeing him regularly that I started to feel so much better. My period came back a month after seeing him and then um, everything else I was doing, the supplements and the diet and just paying way better attention to my body and what it was asking for just felt like the whole way I was nourishing myself and, and giving my body what it needed. So it was really inspiring. That's so cool. So a gynecologist had originally diagnosed you with the PCOS and then he confirmed it. Now, can you just describe for my listeners, because I actually haven't done an episode on this. We've done a bunch of episodes for women and periods and fertility, but will you tell us about PCOS and what that actually is? Yeah. So it's a syndrome. So it's really, um, a collection of symptoms and, um, they include, generally not having or having an irregular cycle or not cycling anymore, not ovulating. And then um, one of the criteria is having um, cysts found on the ovaries via ultrasound. Um, but generally there's also um, an elevation in androgens like testosterone found on lab, lab work. Um, and then just, yeah, this like constellation of symptoms, which is often weight gain, which I actually never had that. And a lot of women go undiagnosed because they don't present that way. But there are a couple types of PCOS and one of them um, doesn't include the weight gain. Um, And then um, oftentimes there's um, irregular hair growth. So um, that are signs of that androgen excess. So that could be like on the upper lip, on the chest, like in places that generally you don't want to have it on the chin as a as a woman. and then acne, hair loss, and kind of the male pattern baldness, um, like that kind of sign. And then um, the other thing that's often found on lab work is um, irregular blood sugar because insulin resistance, which is kind of the precursor to like a type 2 diabetes. So, um, so yeah, that's the other thing that's often found. That's so interesting. I I don't have PCOS, but this I, I saw a gynecologist, this horrible gynecologist, a few years back, and I tell this story a lot. But he he basically did this pelvic ultrasound. Told me he said, "Wow, you have a tiny vagina," and then. Oh. 
did this pelvic ultrasound, told me told me I had a beautiful uterus, and then told me that I had PCOS. <laughs> Oh man. And yeah. he was like he was like, um, see the way the cysts are sitting. He basically said that. It's it's the uh-huh. exact formation of PCOS. You you have PCOS. And uh-huh. said, but it's weird because you you're not overweight. I'm I'm very small and, and you don't have a regular hair growth. And I was like, Okay. Weird. And then he said nothing else and left the room. <laughs> And that was the last time I saw him. And since then, hearing you talk about this, since then what I heard most was like, yeah, if you don't have the weight gain or the hair growth, you probably don't have PCOS. Mm-hmm. So I love what you're saying that there's this collection of of symptoms. And the biggest one I heard you talk about is that you're not ovulating and you're having irregular periods. Yes. That's a huge sign. And the truth with this is so many women present differently. So you might just have cysts on your ovaries or you might just have the insulin resistance piece, or you might have some and not others of those symptoms. And so it's really less about what you call it and more about treating the person themselves because your body is responding to, you know, whatever is throwing it out of balance in its own unique pattern. So that's what really needs to be rebalanced versus like, let's just treat you for PCOS. Right. Beautiful. And I've heard that PCOS also comes with um, infertility, and obviously you have a child. Uh, yes. Not obviously, but I know that you have a child, <laughs> and um, obviously from the way you're speaking, <laughs> you yeah. and um, so is it curable? Um, well, yeah, I think that it absolutely is. That's been my experience with patients, and um, it really is like so many chronic illness illnesses. It's really about finding where those imbalances and what predispositions a person has and has like picked up along the way that has allowed their body to respond in this particular way. And so absolutely, I was really afraid when I decided um, eventually that I wanted to have a child that I wouldn't be able to because so much around PCOS is the talk of infertility. And I have found that in um, like really dedicating myself to my house and working with someone um, very closely to help rebalance my system and and it's constant management but it ends up you know it absolutely is something that a person can overcome mm, beautiful beautiful so tell us on that note what naturopathic medicine is what makes yeah. an ND different from an MD yeah so Naturopathic medicine is in a really interesting place actually right now because um, it's sort of divided. So some naturopaths are trying to become more primary care and in a lot of states that's possible. So in Oregon, California even, and like Washington, the West Coast often, you can practice very much like a a primary care doctor. And so that's a little bit more integrative health. But there's this other kind of like older school um, version of naturopathic medicine that's a little bit, I think, truer to our roots as naturopaths. And that's how I practice. And so um, I've gone through four years of um, medical school and taken um, pretty much all the same classes as a, a medical doctor. But in addition to that, I've taken um, many, many hours of nutrition botanical medicine courses, homeopathy, physical medicine, like um, it's basically naturopathic chiropractic style adjustments. 
Um, and so it adds all of that like lifestyle and natural medicine piece to it. Um, and so it's really nice to have those additional tools. I think though, the true, um, difference in naturopathic medicine is how we look at the body, which is basically, um, that the body is meant to be in a state of health and that there are different triggers in a person's life. Um, oftentimes, you know, beginning even before, uh, their conception because they were present as an egg in their grandmother's ovaries, which is kind of wild to think about. So the health of grandparents and parents determine a lot of um, somebody's health. And that includes like not only the illnesses and their own state of health, but the stresses that they have gone through in their lives and then during the pregnancy and then the, the stresses and illnesses that a person has gone through in their own life. So um, it's really interesting to start when you start diving into somebody's um, history in that way, because you can start to put together all the pieces of how someone has ended up in the state of health that they are in currently. Um, but yeah, it's really looking at the whole body from a physical standpoint, an emotional and spiritual um, kind of all of those levels, because that really makes up a person uh, in their whole. And so healing anyone on on um, one of those single levels is missing a huge part of um, and huge part and huge potential for how well they can feel and how wholly they can um, restore their health. Mm. Yeah. And for me, you know, I happened to land with a naturopath when I got very sick with, with Lyme disease. I was all about the medical doctors. Like I was just sure. like, you know, antibiotics all the way. I, I don't care. I want a quick fix, you know, the end. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, similarly to many people, I had to go through my own health struggle to find my way to holistic health and to being willing to do anything, the really deep necessary work to heal my body. Um, but I had landed with a naturopathic Lyme-specific doctor here in, in California in San Diego. And mm -hmm. my, my first kind of experience of what made a naturopath a naturopath was that she couldn't prescribe me certain levels of drugs. Like she could prescribe me antibiotics, but she couldn't prescribe me IV antibiotics. Right. Um, so that was kind of my experience. And I'm also wondering, do any NDs take insurance? Like, is that a possibility? Yes, okay. absolutely. Uh, well, actually, I will say it depends on the state. At this point, not all 50 states are licensed, uh, licensing naturopaths. And it depends on what the individual state's licensure includes. Um, but on, I am not 100% sure in California, but in Washington and Oregon, there are definitely um, naturopaths that accept insurance. Um, so that is a possibility. Right. And so there are these levels. You're saying that naturopaths can also practice as primary care physicians. So would those primary care physicians be able to, you know, treat in all of the ways a medical doctor can treat versus, I guess, a, a more typical naturopath maybe can't do the IV antibiotics or, or whatever the boundaries are? Yeah, um, it, and that also is state by state because each of them have a different have different prescribing rights. Um, okay. Yeah, so it is it, it's definitely like location specific, um, and so yeah, some can and then others don't. Um, so 
in my own personal practice, I choose to prescribe as little as um, necessary, and I find it very unnecessary. So the patients that I'm treating with Lyme um, generally are not doing antibiotics from me or from anybody else. We're using different therapies. Right. And I think that's so interesting too. Like I didn't heal with antibiotics. I took them for a year hoping they would work and they just never did. Um, So I didn't heal with them. But my my naturopathic doctor, that's really all she kept prescribing to me. (laughs) And it's it's just like – it's obviously it's about meeting the doctor and and deciding if you – jive with that doctor and working with that doctor. Everyone is different. Every patient is different. Every doctor is different. Every person is different. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. And the interesting thing about that is, you know, if it was just about killing the infection, then antibiotics would totally work. But what I'm seeing in an infection or like quote unquote infection like Lyme is that, and actually most other chronic illnesses, is that it's less about um, treating that specific whatever, like whatever um, y- your specific um, strains that you're infected with, but it's about um, building up the system as a, as from the ground up in all levels so that the body can do what it's meant to do, which is clear the infection on its own. Right. And that's exactly, I listened to this podcast with another naturopathic doctor and he said his whole thing was basically you build up your system where you're deficient. So you supplement Mm -hmm. wherever you're deficient and you detox wherever you're toxic. So, and then, and then you're good. (laughs) Like you find, (laughs) you find out where you're toxic, you detox, you find out where you're deficient and you supplement. Um, And I, and I love that. And I just, I, I, I love your whole vibe. I was telling Emily before we started that I was like digging into every one of her Instagram posts this morning because they're just so juicy and so good. And I love, I love what you, what you um, believe in. So I'm curious when a patient comes to you, do you have sort of your like go-to first things you test for? Obviously, it's on a patient-by-patient basis, but for me as a, as a wellness coach, I always have the tests that I'm immediately interested in. Like these are the things I want to know right away about your blood tests. Do you have anything like that? There are a couple that I um, definitely like to do. Um, I am really liking using the Dutch test. I don't know. Are you familiar with that no. one? No. It, um, it's a dry urine test, and it is looking at um, primarily adrenal health as well as um, the, it gives you so much information about the endocrine, like hormone balance of a person. Um, and then it also gives some, some nutritional um, information like B12 status and B6 and a couple others. Um, but I just find that so often the nervous system is such a huge piece in healing chronic illness that it it tells me a lot about how somebody is sleeping, how somebody is processing their stress, um, where to start on that level. Um, so that's one that I that's probably the one I order the very most. Um, otherwise, um, I think looking into gut health is really great. Um, but I find that as much as I love tests, I can get so much information from just talking to someone that I can just go right into treatment without getting that information right away. So if somebody wants to wait on doing those, there's a ton of work that we can do before that. Um, so yeah, but generally those are the, the top two on my list. And then, 
um, I usually start treating somebody by treating their liver because um, mm. that's what we process our entire world through. And I don't know anybody whose liver isn't just a little bit overburdened. So um, that's generally what I start with in the first month. And then how somebody responds to that really tells me a lot about what systems to work on next. But usually I have in my mind already a couple like a couple that I see from just talking to someone in the first visit that, you know, is probably going to need to be addressed. So on that note, will you talk about your, your bucket, um, body? Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. The body is a bucket. The body is bucket. <laughs> yeah. So this is passed on to me by one of my really wonderful mentors. And so, yeah, it looks at the body as a bucket and with, um, ideally with like a drain at the bottom. And so there are different ways that, so yeah, the, we fill our buckets all the time with things that we take into our lives or, you know, choose to do. And it can be filled with any sort of stress that you can imagine, toxicity, um, emotional stress, the things that we eat, the chemicals that we're exposed to. So we all are filling our buckets in some way. And we all have different size buckets. So you could have a teeny tiny bucket, which would mean it doesn't take much to fill it up completely. Um, or somebody, you know, a friend of yours is maybe like able to like drink all night, wake up in the morning, no problem. And like stay up all day and eat all kinds of terrible food and still feel amazing. And they might have a really big bucket. And then the other aspect of this is how do we clear our buckets with, it, which is like, how do we rid our bodies <laughs> of waste? And, um, so I, the best way, the easiest way is for, to just like drain all the waste out the, the drain or to just like dump the bucket over. So that would be one way. Another way um, is maybe we don't know what to do with our waste. We don't know how to drain it up or to drain it out, or maybe the drain is clogged. And so we start like walling off these toxins and making these lumps and bumps. So thinking like cysts or tumors. Mm. Um, so that would be how that would manifest. Um, and then another way would be to like start breaking down the sides of the bucket in order to allow waste to drain out of some other um, hole, which would look like maybe an ulcer or some sort of like more like something breaking tissues down like osteoporosis or something like that. Um, and then there's a fourth way, which is kind of a combination of all these things. And it ends up being oftentimes, and I see this, this is one of the more common ways um, that people that in my practice are trying to get waste out, which is that their bodies can't really even mount a response to all of the waste. So it's like somebody that hasn't had a fever in years and years and years because so, that like dumping of the bucket can be like in this like really intense flu with a fever and or somebody gets like a really intense um, stomach flu where they're like having diarrhea and just like just getting it out and um, that would be you know they're when they're done with it they're done and they move on um, but in this last um, way that I see people trying to get rid of their waste they're they're just so over exhausted in their system and overburdened and I guess toxic in a way that they don't they just can't move it out they can't do anything with it so that might still look like a mix of things so someone might have like some swollen glands and maybe like a little bit of oops, uh, tissue breakdown in some part of their body or something like that so mm. it helps a lot to identify which 
way how somebody is dealing with it so that I know is it does it make more sense to like help their body get the toxins out or do we want to like mobilize the toxins if they're able to handle them better? Right. It really reminds me, I love this this metaphor. It really reminds me too of another kind of naturopath I was listening to. He talks about like the overflowing rain barrel. So it's uh-huh. it's really the same thing and it's just like when you're, you fill up the bucket and with and the bucket's full of toxins, essentially, mm-hmm. right? And then when it starts to overflow and you're too overburdened by toxins and you can't detox. But I love this metaphor because it talks about all the different ways it totally. manifests in our body. Um, so you're really talking about detoxing here, right? And like yeah. how our there, systems do that, yeah. Yes. And uh, when I look at detoxification, I'm thinking primarily of like, Every day, like every one of our cells is creating waste products in the process of just like general metabolism, like just doing their daily jobs like regular. So we produce a certain amount of waste just by existing. Um, And ideally, that waste is being moved out of our bodies either like via the gut through, you know, our general like waste through bowel movements, through the lungs and breathing, through the skin in our sweat. Um, through the kidneys in urine or through our emotions, through like healthy emotional expression. And if any one of those systems is overburdened, then the body's going to have to compensate in some way. And that's when we start to see symptoms. So like if the skin is not doing a good job of removing its um, waste through the sweat, you might see it manifest as a rash or, you know, Mm. some sort of eczema or something like that. Um, and then, and you can imagine with all the other ways for those other systems, like the gut, if it's not managing its weight, waste properly, you might see constipation or you might see diarrhea. Like there's all of these symptoms are the body's way of compensating for a system that isn't effectively removing waste. And that's just for our own waste that we're producing. If you then add on top of it, all of the other possible ways of getting toxins from our environment and from outside of our body, then it really gets, um, that's when it really needs a lot of help. Right. And everyone is toxic. It's important. Like everyone has toxicity in their body. What you're saying. Exactly. It is. But there's, I mean, there's a normal level of toxicity that we're meant to deal with. We are, and we have all the systems in place in our bodies to deal with that toxicity. Um, well, so it's not like, uh, you know, doom and gloom in that way, but you know, with the way, with the state of our world and all of the chemicals that are in it, we've really, we're asking a lot of our bodies. And so making sure that it's working appropriately and that's, you know, everyone also has trauma. And so that's a huge piece in like the emotional body and like the whole system working well is, is recognizing that we need to start talking about the traumas that people are experiencing and how that affects their health because that's a huge missing piece. I know. I love that you added that to detoxing. You Mm -hmm. were like through the skin, through the urine, through, you know, the intestines and through your emotions. (laughs) And I was like, what? (laughs) Nobody. So rarely people mention that. And it's, it's so great. And Eckhart Tolle has that great thing where he talks about tar bodies inside of you. Like when your emotions get stuck, he calls them tar bodies. Oh, and yeah. it's what it's essentially what you're talking about with cysts, right? Like mm-hmm. when we're not they're detoxing, stuck. right? They're stuck. So mm-hmm. that's so that's so so brilliant. So on the topic of detox, I want to talk to you about uh, dry brushing. So let's take a quick break for the weekly challenge. 
Welcome to our weekly challenge segment where we arm you with new tools each week to kick some self-care butt. As you explore all of these new options presented weekly, my hope is that you will come to collect a number of quick ways to take care of yourself inside and out. You will essentially have your very own and very handy self-care toolkit. Some of the challenges may not work for you and some will seem perfectly tailored to you. We are building up your defenses, inspiring your mind, body, and spirit toward total wellness. Keep in mind that the goal is always progress, not perfection. The only rule is that you are never allowed to beat yourself up. Keep me posted on your progress. Stay accountable. It helps. Okay, let's hit this week's challenge. Okay, Emily, tell us what our weekly challenge is. Okay, so this is something I have all of my patients do, and a lot of people are really skeptical about it, but most people end up totally loving it, and they're absolutely addicted afterwards. So it's um, dry skin brushing, and a lot of people have probably heard of this. Um, It's pretty simple, but um, it's really, really effective in supporting the detoxification of the body on a regular basis um, through the lymph system. So I'll explain how to do it, and then I'll talk a little bit more about it. Um, What you want to do is either you can use um, just a washcloth or um, a dry skin brush is really great. You can find them at most health food stores. And um, you just start at your feet and with really light, like feather light, short strokes, um, move up each of your legs, up your torso, up your butt and your back, always towards the heart, and then down your arms and down your upper back and your chest um, as much as you can reach. And then, um, yeah, that's basically it. Um, And it's really addressing the lymph fluid that sits right underneath the surface of the skin. Um, So if you were to, like, cut yourself, a little bit of clear liquid would come out before blood. Um, And that lymph, we have three times as much lymph in our body as we do blood. And for whatever reason, there's there aren't really lymph specialists out there. Um, And it is uh, like the basically our kind of like our sewer system. All of our cells dump the waste um, and toxins into into our lymph system. And then that lymph fluid drains into our heart and gets filtered through our liver and carried out of our body. Um, But with as much as we sit and um, as much as we're exposed to, the lymph can actually um, become stagnant in a lot of areas of the body. And so helping it move and circulate with this dry skin brushing is really, really helpful. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty simple. Wow. I love that description. So good. So is it true? So for me, I've been told I focus on, I don't, I mean, I don't, I guess I do a little bit extra brushing in my groin, um, under my armpits and under my neck. Is that? Yeah, that's, that's where the uh, lymph nodes are collected. There's like extra, um, dense and extra, um, dense areas of lymph nodes in those areas, also in the gut. Um, so yeah, those are great places to kind of spend a little extra time, but I really would encourage not to get too like, it shouldn't take too long. It should be a really easy, quick routine. So, um, it does. And it really makes your skin so soft. It like helps exfoliate a little bit, which is awesome in the winter. And yeah, I love it for that. Why does it give us a burst of energy? Is it just like extra circulation or something? <sighs> yeah. That, I mean, that's. I think that's the explanation for it. Yeah. Okay. Because I get like a real burst and sometimes it makes me emotional too. Oh, interesting. 
Hmm. I mean, it just moves stuff around. I think yeah, that's like it's definitely that's, stimulating. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's the weekly challenge. I love this, you guys. Dry brushing every day. Do you do it, um, Emily, before you get in the shower? Um, I do if I'm if I shower um, like an every other day shower. So I still do it. Every, I do it every night, and then I usually put castor oil on my abdomen and oh. go right to bed. I love it. Okay, yeah. great. So that's the challenge, guys. You can check me out on Instagram at Shay Jackie for um, weekly challenge updates. And while we're on this topic, and this is such, this is so near and dear to my heart and so important to me, Emily. I'm all about patient empowerment and affordable ways to take control of our health from our home. And dry brushing is one of the things I suggest to my clients because of just that. It's a way to take control of your health at an affordable price from your own home. You don't have to wait for a callback or wait for blood tests or wait for the doctor. It is it is a simple practice that is not going to harm you. Absolutely. Um, so I'm wondering, do you have other ways we can just support our systems at an affordable price from home? Well, yes. I mean, I so that, many, <laughs> I know. <yes>. <laughs> um, well, definitely, I mean, the number one thing that you can be doing for your health is cooking as much of your own food as possible and um, selecting really good quality, organic if possible, locally sourced food is like huge. Like if you can grow your own food, that's even better, but so many people can't. So I would say just like focusing on nutrition, nourishing, real food. That is like number one. And then drinking enough water filtered is better. But um, those are my definitely my top two. And then working on getting really good sleep because mm. um, you really can't heal unless you're sleeping well. And I saw on your Instagram you had a tip about sleeping. I think it was um, – I'm not kidding. I really dove into like everything you posted. <laughs> I was like, ooh, this is fun. I love it. Oh. <laughs> um, you talk about, which is, I completely agree with, uh, you talk about getting, um, uh, light blocking. Oh yeah. What are they called? I don't know why. What? So, uh, yeah, what are they called? I don't Blackout know. Blackout shades? Blackout shades. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Blackout shades. You can get them in shades or curtains. And then if you can't get, um, the blackout shades and like close next best thing is a sleep mask. Hmm. Yeah, and I use blackout shades, and I'm obsessed with them. Oh, that's amazing. Just getting any any light-producing thing out of your room, like switching, getting your phone out of your room at night if you can, and switching to, like, a battery-powered alarm clock without anything, any stupid red numbers staring at you all night. Um, and then I really like people to shut their Wi-Fi off at night. So I have mine on a... Um, on like a Christmas light timer, just like when you would buy it at any store that sells that kind of stuff. Um, and then setting it up to go off like right around 10 and come back on when you're getting up in the morning. You know, That's so smart. That's what I was wondering. I saw that in your post too, to put your Wi-Fi on a timer and I just didn't mm -hmm. know how you did that. Yeah, um, super simple. Okay. So you get one of those Christmas tree lighting things. That yep. makes sense. Uh, mm -hmm. Great. I love that. I love that. And then the, another thing I saw, and this is more like, yes, there are all these ways we can take care of ourselves from home, from drinking enough water to eating to sleeping to expressing our emotions to doing yoga in the living room. You know, they're so – they're really count at taking Epsom salt baths. There are all these ways. But, you know, there are some that are kind of off the beaten path. Um, and I saw one 
also on your Instagram <laughs> that talked about hydrotherapy and um, switching the shower from hot once you're done showering to going cold for 30 seconds. Yep. I love that. Um, yeah. So take a nice warm shower and then right at the end, turn it to cool to cold somewhere in there in that range. Um, because when you're in the shower, you know, all your blood vessels dilate because you're warm and it's hot. So it's trying to cool itself down in some ways. And then, um, and then by turning on the cold water, everything vasoconstricts, like all of your blood vessels vasoconstrict and really flush all of your blood to the center, to your core, um, as it like wants to conserve heat. So you actually find that you get out of the shower and you'll be warmer. And then slowly that will, that blood, as your body re-regulates to normal room temperature, the vessels will relax again and fresh blood that's been filtered through your organs at your core comes back out, comes back out to your extremities. Um, and it's just a really great pump action that can be super healing and also help to move that lymph and just like helps general circulation. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, I good. love that. And I, when I get into cold, fresh water, I always feel amazing when I get out. Right? I've actually always been saying this. Like, I, I lived in Hawaii for a couple of years, and we would go in the like freezing cold waterfall um, pools, and I'd come out with this like incredible warm sensation through my body. Yeah, and I had no idea that that's that's what was happening. It's pretty cool. I mean, I would say so. True naturopathic medicine what used to be almost entirely like using like prescribing a really clean diet and hydrotherapy like that because it originated in Germany and the doctors there would have their patients be sitting in warm springs, but then they would also be asked to walk through the forest and go to these waterfalls and submerge themselves underneath them as part of their healing regimens because it's so powerful. It is. I yeah. I am not surprised to hear that at all, actually. It yeah, is so cool. healing. But I'm going to start doing that now because now that you gave that brilliant explanation that I didn't know, I feel <laughs> like I'm willing to sit in the cold shower for 30 yeah. seconds. <laughs> Helps to know why, right? Yeah, it does. Um, so you talked about diets. I know. So tell us a little bit about your – there are so many diets going around right now from mm -hmm. ketogenic to paleo to intermittent fasting. I mean, it's just like endless – diet fads. Um, yeah. I guess it's always been that way, but it feels really extreme right now in, in Los Angeles anyway. So will you tell me a little bit about where you land on the sort of spectrum of diets? Yeah. And so it, I do individualize it for people. Um, but, um, I am, and I think I mentioned this in like what I wrote to you, but I, so I'm half French and so I'm like constantly, balancing my real foodie side because I love to eat with my naturopathic side of knowing like foods can be inflammatory and all of that stuff but really to me it comes down to eating food as close to the source as possible um, choosing really good quality food um, so you cannot overdo it on vegetables um, and then if you're gonna eat meat which I am very supportive of eating meat, um, making sure that it's pasture raised, even better if you know the people who grew it, because then you know whose energy is going into your food. Um, and I find that that's a really important part of the cycle. 
Um, and then I really like including lots of healthy fats, um, coconut butter, coconut oil, avocado, hemp seeds, like all the nuts and seeds. And then like those good quality, uh, well raised animal fats. Um, but really other than that, like I like to keep it really simple, real food, eat when you're hungry, like finding a rhythm of when somebody, uh, when somebody gets hungry, like their style of eating is also really individualized and important. Mm. Um, but yeah, those are like the whole foods, like real food is like, like the real basis and high quality. Cause I find that you, a lot of people, you know, it's, it can be expensive to eat that way, but I find that you, you actually need less food when you're eating really high quality food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really along my belief system too. Like I just tell people like, just eat the things you can't go wrong with. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And the interesting thing is people think that food should be really cheap, but it's really expensive to grow good food. And it's interesting because in history, like we used to spend so much more of a percentage of our income on good food or on food in general, which by default happened to be good um, back in the day. And, um, so I think that really it's a, it's prioritizing that for people. Um, right. That's kind of a mind shift in that way. Right. So quickly, uh, your intermittent fasting, this is huge right now. Intermittent fasting right. is like just everything right now here, yep. um, which is, it was really intense and I, I don't have I, – I believe in the science behind it, of course. Um, sure. And I myself believe in just like definitely try – 12 hours would be great in the night. Yep. Like, you know, you do need to give your system a reboot. Uh, will you just tell us kind of a little bit about what you think about that? Yeah. So I – I mean, 12 hours is – I think a great thing to aim for my feeling around intermittent fasting is it can be really powerful for people, but beyond 12 hours, I don't know. I, I don't think that everybody should be doing it. Like, I don't think that everybody should doing, be doing really anything, um, any one thing. Um, but I think that historically, and I oftentimes look towards like how people used to live before we had all of these conveniences that we have today. And, People would eat their last meal right around, you know, a little bit before it would get dark, and then they wouldn't eat again until morning time. And so that was inherently at least 12 hours usually. Um, and so I think, yeah, having a, um, the last meal at a reasonable dinner time and then not eating again until a reasonable breakfast time um, is a pretty healthy guideline, especially for anybody with any kind of hormone imbalance, really restricting, um, that, that meal, um, and like really pushing the, the morning meal, which is oftentimes how people are intermittent fasting can be another stress on the body and can be a stress that can further deplete hormones, which can be, um, not so good for that. So I think Mm. really finding out if it's appropriate for what you're dealing with. Um, And then, you know, you can always try it out and see how you feel. Right. That's that's the real answer. Exactly. Um, uh, Speaking of hormones, I've heard, and I don't know any, I really don't know, but I've heard that ketogenic diets can uh, negatively impact fertility. Do you know anything about that? That is it's under that same kind of idea because um, keto- ketosis is 
your body thinking that it's, you know, fasting, essentially, even though you're getting those fats, you're burning a different type of fuel, but it's um, creating ketones, which is something that is produced during fasting states. And that can cause some stress on the body. So Mm. it's under that, um, under that kind of thinking. Okay, great. So Emily, this is a question I like to ask um, most of my guests. You're really busy. You have a child. You have your own practice. Um, How do you balance your big full life with Uh, self-care? We talked a lot about, I'm sure, the things you do, but is there anything you'd like to add to that? I mean, it's always uh, in flux, Mm I would say, to be real. It's like some days I don't do it perfectly. Um, Many days I don't. So it's been kind of, and as my daughter's getting older, because she's like just over one now, it's getting a little bit easier to carve out some time for myself. Um, But yeah, I try and exercise every once in a while. I go for walks and Um, I do a lot of the things that I expect my patients to do because I think it's just good health. So that dry skin brushing, castor oil, um, I feed myself a really good food. Um, and I try and work in those extra things like a massage every once in a while and good time with girlfriends and really slowing down and listening to my body when I'm cycling and like all of those things, you know, trying to work that into a daily life. I just started in the last like two weeks. I realized that I could actually meditate with my daughter in the room if I'm home with her. And so, yeah, I just sit down and I tell her I'm going to meditate and she just plays around me and I'm just working that in and it's feeling really good. And I can't believe I've made so many excuses before having a baby that kept me from meditating regularly, but doing that and some journaling, it was like, it's really like when I can find the time, which I always try to do. And sometimes I succeed and sometimes I don't. <laughs> yeah. I think that being a mom, having, having a child is like the biggest, you know, um, real excuse a person can have. It's a really easy it's, one to lean on. I mean, it's, it's everyone I know who's had a child, like everything, just self-care becomes um, much, much more challenging. It, it definitely can be. And then, but I'm always, I'm realizing and trying to remember more and more that as much as I can demonstrate that for her, that I'm taking care of myself and that I'm worth it, then it's just good modeling for her that she will hopefully grow, grow up with taking that time for herself because I can have all the guilt around it so easily, but there can, it can be looked at in a different light as well, where it's, you know, taking care of myself is, is not only allowing me to take better care of her, but also showing her how to take care of herself for the long run. Right. That's beautiful. And thank you so much for talking about doing it imperfectly. We really try to talk about doing things imperfectly on this show. It's all about being human and living the truth of your experience, the messy, messy humanness. Absolutely. You can only do your best. Right. Beautiful. And sometimes I think self-care, you know, practicing self-care is just like doing poorly and not beating yourself up for it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Like finding out how to release that guilt of any kind of not doing it is like, that is a huge piece. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Emily, thank you so much. Tell everyone where they can find you. So my um, website is dremilywiggins.com and my Instagram is at dremilywiggins. Um, 
And yeah, feel free to email me if you have any questions. It's emily at dremilywiggins.com. And obviously, I'm obsessed with her Instagram. So (laughs) go go check it out, everyone. And uh, get busy, buy that dry brush, and check out anything we talked about. Uh, We'll have links in the show notes below. And uh, we will see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Healing Out Loud. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Find me at Jackie on Instagram, my favorite social media platform, and follow me at JackieShay.com if you want to stay in touch. You can also write to me through JackieShay.com if you're interested in working with me as your trusted wellness companion. I'm always happy to hear from you with any questions, comments, or concerns. You can also join the Healing Out Loud with Jackie Shea Facebook group. Have an amazing week, you kick-ass humans. I hope you're able to implement what you learned this week, and I can't wait to share more. Bye.